How about this fucking team right here? Dustin Brown, short-handed for LA. Score! Here is Goligoski. He gets leveled at the blue line by Dowdy. Food for it, cheer for uh, Kind of like it. Richard throws it in front. Carter scores! Well done, boy. There's some swagger. Push come to shove. We're going to get it done. This is for you, Kings fans, wherever you may be. Hey everybody, welcome to the Thanks Bud Podcast. We are back for a second week, except for we are recording on Saturday in the early afternoon, so there's still only been one game that we have seen, Um, and so we'll try not to talk too much specifically about how the Kings have played on the ice, since there's not a lot to go on, but just kind of things that have happened um, with the Kings or in relation to the Kings around the league this week. Um, So without further ado, as always, I am Chanel Berlin. And I'm Diane Fan. Guess we might as well just sort of start with that home opener. With the positive stuff, though, like how we watched, uh, we weren't at the game, but we watched the opening ceremony and everything, and we saw all the stuff with them getting their rings the night before, and I was made so happy. It was, like, amazing to see it all again, even though, obviously, I watched the playoffs and whatnot, but it was still just great to sort of have that reminder of, like, oh, yeah, they did this thing. Well, like, even throughout the summer, we talked about how, like, every once in a while we would stop and just be like, hey, remember how the Kings won the Stanley Cup and how awesome that is? Guess what, you guys? It has not faded. Like, that yeah. That novelty has not faded. I was so exciting. I mean, watching them bring the cup down from the that sky. Was, that was awesome. <laughs> Great job on its cool little elevator thing. And, of course, raising the banner. My favorite thing with all of it, or with... No, not specifically with the ceremony, because people just liked the ceremony. But, like, with the rings. Like, when the pictures came out the night before, or a couple nights before, where... People were showing it off on Twitter, and Jeff Carter beat everybody. He posted his picture first, which is amazing. Jeff <laughs> Carter being, like, social media on top of it person now. What a world we live in. But um, I think my favorite thing is people being like, oh, their first rings were, like, better looking. Or this ring is ugly. Which, I like the new ring. I, I like it actually better than the first one. But I liked people's reactions because I like that they have multiple rings. And you can do things like say, oh, this one is ugly. That we can compare uh, cup rings. It's just like the the whole uh, banner raising thing. It's like, oh, well, yeah, the Kings lost. But, I mean, I'm fine with having a, you know, a role of just winning cups and raising a banner and losing like that's fine i like being able to compare cup rings i like being able to just having having multiple cups is still great yeah like even when we went to the rally i remember there was like a dude behind us who kept being like oh last time it was so much better and i was like i don't even know if he realizes how much of a douchebag he sounds like (laughs) because you're at another rally they just won the stanley cup i know we're like celebrating this great thing you're like oh but last time it's like shut up enjoy this (laughs) so that's amazing i love people being able to complain a lot and just like irritate people around the league probably with being able to compare the wins because they've happened so close together and also multiple times at this point um it was great i mean even though again like the game didn't turn out the way anybody wanted it to like the sharks were in the building to watch the ceremony and have to deal with that and that was great too everything before the game started was awesome and gave me a lot of feelings Oh. About the Kings. My arm was clutched by you um, <laughs> yeah. during a lot of the ceremony. We kept hugging and jumping. <laughs> 
it was good times. I liked it a lot. And then, well, actually, maybe we all should have realized that some stuff was slightly off because, like, Drew Doughty missed how he was supposed to go to his spot on the ice when he first came out jumping over a carpet, and then Kyle Clifford, like, ate it. Rough times. Technical difficulties. And then the game started, and there were also struggles. It was just so disappointing. I had a feeling that the Sharks would score first, just, uh, you know premonition, but I did not know that they would be the only ones who would score. I thought that right. the Sharks would s- score first. It would be, you know, like, oh, here you go. You can have it. You can do good things. And then the Kings would come back. But no, that did not happen. And apparently, like, the last time that the Kings were shut out in a home opener was by the Sharks as well in, I believe, 2008. It's not like it's completely foreign to people that something like this can happen. Um, but the team, of course, looks significantly different from 2008 and lots of things have happened and you just don't expect it or you didn't expect them to sort of repeat the trouble that they had against the Chicago Blackhawks especially because as everybody knows and was talked about a lot the Kings went 5-0-2 in the preseason and then it seems like I don't know something was off it was actually interesting because after the game Sutter had a quote where he said you know it was one of the few times that I hadn't had the right read on the team Maybe the only time I can usually tell if they're a little off or something. So somehow this game caught everybody by surprise. Although the Kings didn't make any excuses for it. They were all just like, we should have been better prepared. And uh, it was the start of another season watching Jonathan Quick come out from his goal and scaring (laughs) me. And it's not a home opener without a Jonathan Quick fumble. Ah, yes. And that was was a goal to make it 3-0. No, four. It was no, it was four nothing, right? Because it was like they had let in a goal, and then that happened. Fourteen seconds later. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, it was just a disaster time. Um, the first goal was kind of weird because it was like a tough angle shot that maybe shouldn't have gone in if Quick wasn't so low when he hug- hugs the post. But whatever it happened, it was also a nice shot. Like not to discredit um, Tommy Wingles, it was a nice shot from him. And then the second goal was on uh, the penalty kill. Which, which also, like, way to get, to get started, like, taking so many penalties so early. They had so many penalties. Why? There was a fight at the beginning. Why? Although it was a pretty good fight, I'm not going to lie. Um, good job, Clifford, I guess, for redeeming yourself after completely killing yourself while just skating forward during a ceremony. <laughs> yeah, true. I, but I'm always so worried about Kyle Clifford because he's had so many, like, concussions already. Like, I'm... I, I understand that that's part of his role, but I'm also like, dude, please. Protect your head. You have a <laughs> yeah. an adorable little baby that you put in the cup. Like, yeah. come on. Think of others. Think about your family. Think about your family. <laughs> but yeah, so that happened, which I guess was in a way to sort of energize the crowd, because of course the Kings didn't come out scoring. I mean, actually by the end of the night, and even when the score was close... They did pretty well in sort of keeping pace and, like, getting shots or whatever. Just none of them were going in. It was rough. There were some pretty great chances for the Kings um, at different points in the game, but they just couldn't get anything actually in net and instead made Antiniemi look, like, like amazing. Like, he should definitely keep his starter job, which maybe that's just the long con. That's <laughs> what I'm hoping. That's what I'm hoping. This is all we'll an elaborate them. setup. Right. We'll just be able to be like, good job giving the San Jose Sharks a false sense of security. Oh, one significant thing that, not that happened in the game, but what contributed to the game. One significant thing was that Jake Muzzin was 
injured. It was reported it was kind of up in the air whether or not he would be in the lineup. He warmed up and then didn't play. So Braden McNabb was paired with Drew Doughty again, and they only have had like a little bit of experience playing with each other and all in the preseason. So of course, this was the first opportunity in a game situation. And I think McNabb did okay um, for the most part, but they did that second Tommy Wingle's goal was due to them in a in a large part because Drew Doughty had taken a shot, it was blocked, it bounced out pretty fast, and Doughty was kind of caught flat-footed. He didn't get going again. I think he was still kind of too busy sort of figuring out where his shot went. <laughs> um, and McNabb and turned around and tried to get back as well, but they let Wingles outskate them, and he had a something of a breakaway attempt and was able to sort of scoop it around Jonathan Quick. It actually looked a lot like the goal that Kopitar scored on Yemi in um, Game 7, which was kind of funny to me. You know, just know, like, in the offseason, they're watching game tape of the Kings and, like, each person was in charge of a particular goal that was scored against them, and they now have to score that same exact goal. Right, yeah. How do we make sure that we pay them back for this humiliation? (laughs) Um... The good news is it's not Game 7, and the better news is that Tommy Wingles, despite the goal, is still not Andre Kopitar, so I think the Kings are going to be okay. Yeah, I think they're all right. How about, though, uh, Trevor Lewis and his spinorama? That was so cute. Oh, it was adorable. (laughs) I mean, did anyone really think that anything would come of it? Probably not, but the fact that he tried, A+. Yeah, props to him, though. He got a shot on goal. Like, I wasn't expecting that to happen. Wait a minute. I stand by, I mean, he didn't score this game, but I stand by by the fact that Trevor Lewis is going to break the double digits in goals. I mean, it might be a little while, though, because he is injured now. Apparently, the spinorama, (laughs) too ambitious for Trevor Lewis, and he should have reined it in. He's like, I'm going to try something, and then promptly, like, pulled a muscle or something. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I was like, whoa, 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 you're playing over your head here. Just stick to your shots from behind the net. That's what you're good at. (laughs) So yeah, so he's out for at least a couple games. They haven't, it doesn't sound super serious or anything, but he will be out for a little bit. Muzzin also, they said, will be out for this weekend, probably. And I think they're considering him kind of day to day and he could be in fairly soon, but not in these next, not in this back to back thing. Um, So I hope Braden McNabb was ready because he is in it immediately. (laughs) Your time is now, Braden McNabb. (laughs) Yeah. Show show us what you've got. He's got to learn so quick. (laughs) <laughs> right on the top pairing, what can you do? Interesting thing, of course, is they, they shuffled the lines a little bit um, right after that game, which makes sense. Like, nothing went right, so why not uh, move stuff around again? And actually, it looks a little bit more like what they went with in the playoffs because, well, I guess parts of the playoffs, because they've started already to move um, Dustin Brown and Justin Williams. Now Justin Williams was taking line rushes with the top line before the Coyotes game, and I don't know if I'll post this before that game or after so we will see how that works out um and then mike richards back on the fourth line already but looking good yeah yeah he's playing well i mean that's fine i i mean something we'll probably talk about a little bit later but actually it's i don't think i mean he still had like a lot of ice time last postseason and whatnot i don't think there's any shame in the fourth line it's just kind of funny to always say that but probably if you ask Mike Richards what the situation was, he would say he had a tough time because of those new LED lights in Staples Center. Okay, this is one of the greatest things. Um, apparently people not liking the LED lights and Mike Richards taken to Twitter to uh, ask everyone what was up. And I was slightly concerned that he would take all of the replies and like look for the ones that like people said that they didn't like them and just print out like petition style. Like, look, you guys. 
<laughs> right. The results are in. Like, me and these however many other people totally agree. Lights, not great. We gotta do something about them. <laughs> Mike Richards' casual survey of Kings fans on the internet yeah. <laughs> about the new lights at Staples Center. I just thought that was so funny. And then to see more quotes later, I was like, oh, I guess it makes more sense now. Um, Alec Martinez, I think, mentioned that the, their issue with it is because it's so dark. Like, when the puck goes up into the netting or, like, against the boards, it's harder to read what's happening with it um, and to track it, which makes sense. So... We'll see, I guess, if things are changed for the Kings again, because it also seems like, you know what, obviously those lights aren't going anywhere, but I guess we'll see how much their pattern for the way the Kings uh, rink is lit is different from the way that they light the basketball games at Staples Center. But it's really funny that I guess the players are like, we are not feeling it so far (laughs) with these new lights. I appreciate that you uh, can see less of, like, the terrible people who stand up, like, right before the puck drop, like, during a face-off to, like, wave with the camera. You, like, <laughs> yeah. can't really see them because it's too dark. I like that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's got a very, like, theatrical vibe, but you do want them to still be able to play the game the way that they need to. So, I feel like uh, we're watching the game, like, in Instagram because it looks like it's uh, a pinhole camera style with, like, the right. dark, <laughs> dark outer corners and then just, like, a brightly lit center where all the action is happening, so old-timey hockey. We're always Instagram filtering it, watching the Kings this season. (laughs) And so I still haven't, like, neither of us have been inside yet, so we haven't seen what it looks like live. And, like, people say, I mean, it looks interesting on TV. Um, It's definitely noticeable. And I think, like, everybody's saying so far that it's fun to sit and see inside. So I'm excited to see it. I hope hope they figure out something so the players don't feel like they've been shortchanged all season. (laughs) Yeah. One thing that I thought was cool about opening night was the fact, though, that it was mentioned. I mean, I have to say, like, I am a Clippers fan. Coach Doc Rivers of the Clippers brought them to Staples to see the banner raising. He They had a suite for the team, and I thought that was awesome. I mean, not just because I like watching the Clippers, but also because I think it's really cool that the Kings are at a place now where they're the team to look up to in Los Angeles. And I hadn't really thought about it, but that's great. Yeah, like, having a different team come in, being like, this is how it's done. This, like, this could all be yours, you know? Kind of, like, inspirational. You can win a championship in this city. It's pretty rad. Yeah, it's cool. And, I mean, like, everybody sort of laughs really about um, Luke Robitaille saying that Los Angeles was the greatest hockey city in the world. And sure, I think a lot of that was him (laughs) trolling people who were watching the broadcast. But also, I think it's undeniable that, like, hockey is getting a lot of attention in Los Angeles. Like, I've seen, like, the other day, I saw Kings Merchant Target, and I was like, what? It's a whole new world. Usually, it's like Lakers, Dodgers, UCLA, and the Oakland Raiders. So I'm glad that the Kings are gaining popularity and that people are looking at them like, yo, here's the example. If you want to be a champion, be like the Kings. Be like this hockey team. That's that's cool in LA. On the flip side, the last time I went to a Target, this is a little while ago, uh, the only NHL things that I found was a Washington Capitol shirt. What? <laughs> Why? So I'd, amongst all of the uh, Dodger blue, there was just like two Washington Capitol shirts. I'm like, okay, this is a, an interesting choice. Well, some of the Target stores have learned. <laughs> Thank goodness. Yeah, to be fair, I like don't live in Los Angeles, so um, it's less likely that we'd have that um, up where I am, but still. Washington Capitals, guys? Yeah, that's pretty far. They were like, who? I don't know, any hockey team, whatever. This sounds right. They're like, Washington, that's close. No, wrong <laughs> yeah. Washington, guys. 
Oh, it's okay. One day, one day there will be a closer, like, Washington team, maybe. But in LA, where the team actually is, lots more, I've seen more King stuff around. It's still not, like, as crazy as some hockey markets, but it's definitely a lot more um, because they've been doing so well. And I really dig it that other athletes are, like, being shown the Kings team as an example. Also, I just, like, Doc Rivers is a coach, and I hope him and Dean Lombardi are friends and stuff. <laughs> and that's just a personal wish. I hope, like, Dean Lombardi has written some sort of, like, long letter, like, a genuine letter to Doc Rivers or something like that. Because everything that we've ever heard about Dean Lombardi is that he writes these, like, lengthy emails. He writes, um, God, what was it called for... What did he call it for Yandel? His manifesto. Manifesto. Thank you. I don't know why I couldn't think of that word. But, like, he he writes lengthy emails to Jared Stoll. He writes manifestos about uh, Keith Yandel. I hope he just has, like, a old-timey, like, letter-writing setup. I don't know why I'm thinking about this, but... <laughs> where he used lots, where he uses lots of um, sports metaphors from other coaches or like yes. sayings or whatever, and then they just talk about inspiring their, each other and also their teams. Yeah, that would be the dream, <laughs> right there. Pen pals. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's what I want. I want like ultimate dream. Dockerwears and Dean Lombardi and Daryl Sutter and like all those the people involved in those two teams become great buds and then they all ignore the Lakers forever. <laughs> That's my personal wish. But you know, we have very specific dreams here. Yeah, yeah, it's um, true. Speaking of Daryl Sutter, though, that uh, James Duffy piece about him was amazing. Oh yeah, I still haven't read the written version, but the video. Um, package that they put together was so great immediately the first time they show any kings player like smiling all of them just so amused even just being asked about daryl sutter and his <laughs> press conferences uh, and i love that they mentioned that yeah we turn them on after games <laughs> like forget turning on like music or you know some show or something like that no no, no. we want to watch a daryl sutter presser because they're great and i also liked the guessing game and how even they fail miserably to determine when he's talking about a winning effort or a loss i think that's phenomenal i think uh there was a TSN panel like way back like during the playoffs I think where everyone was talking about how it's like oh if the team does well it's usually a pretty crappy uh presser and he's like very short with everyone but if the team does poorly he's a little bit you know more talkative I suppose so right when they were showing that I was like oh I know that they're gonna get this wrong because he's he always like reacts the opposite to what he should be reacting about yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, even the quotes after the um, shutout loss in the opener, like him just straight up saying, like, I, you know, I think I just I didn't read them right. And then also when people were asking, like, do you think guys got too caught up in the ceremony? He was like, did you ever just consider that San Jose outplayed us? <laughs> so I it's interesting how he is just like a little more he still is direct, but a little more um, forthcoming after a loss about what he thinks went wrong or something like that. The weird thing. OK, so. I don't, what is up with NHL scheduling? Because they had like the four games on the eighth and then the next day there were like 24 games or something, or like no, 24 teams played and there were games all day and then Friday, nothing and Saturday, a bunch of games that are all happening at the same time at night. I don't know what's happening. But so the next day, yeah, yesterday, the only game that was playing was like the Islanders and the Canes or something and the Hurricanes or something like that. Like, yeah, who, who wants that? Who did? Why? Why? Why not more games? I don't know. But 
anyway, now at least every team has played at least one game. And um, so we've gotten to see like some Kings or like former Kings players do stuff elsewhere now, including, I don't think we talked about this last time because I don't know if it had happened yet, Willie Mitchell, captain, captain. of the Florida Panthers. That's awesome. Eighth captain in franchise history. They went to West Point as a team, and I think it was announced there, which is like interesting because his contract is only for a couple years, but still, they've made it pretty clear that they want that quote-unquote veteran leadership in the locker room, and Willie Mitchell's a great guy, so like congratulations to him. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm very happy for him. Lots of fishing trips, like we always t- we already talked about that. Lots of fishing trips with um, his team, but now it won't just be because he's a cool friend; it'll be because he's the captain. I would love for Willie Mitchell to be my captain. I'd love for him to be like, "All right, Diane, like, what's wrong? What's going on? Talk to me." <laughs> Your good friend and captain, Willie Mitchell. And then you would like, but it would be like over a good meal, you know, so you'd be lulled by the atmosphere and also his like very nice voice. You make you make it sound like he's seducing you to tell, um, to tell you like, or to, to tell him what's wrong. Isn't he though? <laughs> I mean. Probably. If Take anybody- you to a nice restaurant, candlelit dinner. Yeah. Yeah. Gently talking to you, honey. What's going on? <laughs> I feel like that's what dinners with Willie Mitchell have to be like. And then he smiles. <laughs> he tells a joke and he smiles at you and you're just like so disarmed. All right. So this podcast has turned into a love letter to Willie Mitchell and how much we miss him. I think that's fair. Although I have to say for as far as like former Kings players or prospects, he's not even the one that I'm most excited about. The one I am most excited about because I was hoping that he would eventually get his shot in the NHL is Brandon Cozen, who apparently did amazing in uh, training camp in the preseason with the Toronto Maple Leafs, who he was traded for um, last season. And he made their NHL roster and got a point in his first game. I thought it was a goal at first, but then they turned it into an assist because they said that um, Nazem Kadri got the tip. And he's he. it's awesome for a couple of reasons. Uh, a, because he comes with the King system, and also because he's from Los Angeles. Um, yes, uh, I love that he's from Los Angeles. We always want California kids to do well. Mm-hmm. And he's doing great. Always trim for California. I think the only disappointing thing is, of course, that he didn't get the opportunity to score his first goal as a Los Angeles native with the Los Angeles Kings. Still never quite going to get or still haven't quite gotten that California native on the California team or Kings team anyway happened yet. What was it that was funny about the the home opener was everyone always mentioning that Matt Nieto is from Long Beach. <laughs> yeah. I liked, I think it was it Jason Lewis, like, who tweeted out for the longest time, yep. I thought his name was Long Beach native Manietto. That's his full name. <laughs> First, middle, and last. <laughs> that was great to me. Yeah, they always mention it, which is, I don't know, I don't think I, I notice it as much with, like, Emerson Edom, who also from yeah. California. So, but for some reason with Manietto, they mention it constantly. <laughs> pretty great but yeah so Brandon Cozen so I'll, I guess that means I'll, it'll be fun to see how many times they say it when if he's still in the lineup with the Leafs when he they play Toronto Los Angeles native uh, Brandon Cozen horrible Californian non-Canadian <laughs> yes he and it was also cool because he gave credit to the King system and their development staff for um, really putting him in this position he basically said that without that Kings team and all of the opportunities he was afforded uh, with the Kings, that he wouldn't be the player that he is now, which I thought was really, really sweet. Yeah. Way to, you know, 
give props to the people who not made you, but you know, helped you. Yeah, yeah. Helped you be the best that you could be. Solid. Also, he's another one who's like shorter and I like it when <laughs> shorter guys do well because they get like the I, oh, I was about to say the short end of the stick. <laughs> um, <laughs> they they right, don't get a fair jokes. shake <laughs> as often. But he, so how do you feel about Patrick Kane then? Um, I don't want to talk about Patrick Kane. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> how did I know that that one was coming? <laughs> I think last last season we did talk a lot about how uh, we just like didn't... Not that we didn't like... We kind of didn't like the Blackhawks. Yeah. It was just a point of contention and we thought it had abated when the kings <laughs> beat the blackhawks and they won the cup but it had merely just been like stifled for a little bit and then it's back it came back vengeance. so quick and so i watched the stars blackhawks game which was a really fun game because both of those teams are really fast and you know everybody's very curious to see what the stars do and they play they completely i have to be honest they outplay the blackhawks especially in that first period but it, it, still like can happen like the blackhawks on like the weirdest it was kind of the kind of goal that only happens to blackhawks players where kari letnin had closed down everything duncan keith took a shot and it was you know he thought he had he was in position for it but somehow somehow a shot from duncan keith does not get really any air or anything it just manages to stay low enough that it goes five hole how i don't know but it does and then deflects off of letting skate into the goal so they end up on the board first which i was like really are, is this already happening to me watching the blackhawks <laughs> it was and then of course in the shootout the game eventually goes to the shootout and patrick patrick kane wins it so it's like a as always happens, a stream of tweets about how everything he does is so beautiful and whatnot. And I'm clearly a hater, but come on. I was just doing it for the jokes, but we've definitely just opened up a can of uh, <laughs> a can of worms here. Yeah. But also, I was annoyed with that just because I really like the stars and I want the stars to do well. So I was like, I was just annoyed. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to be annoyed at anybody who beats the Stars this season because I want them to make the playoffs. So, yeah. um, that Unless was the Kings. Thing. The Kings can beat the Stars. Right, that's exactly. Fine. So, um, that's the only time, really, where I won't be annoyed if the Stars lose, <laughs> is if it's at the hand of the Los Angeles Kings. But um, losing to the Blackhawks, especially in a situation where it allowed people to spend lots of time on Twitter talking about Patrick Kane's hands, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> okay. This is how we're starting. You, you can't escape him. He's at McDonald's. No! Uh, we talked about this before. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's no there's no escaping him. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> what was I going to say? Oh, I was going to talk about, like, um, something totally unrelated to that. And actually, before, before I get to it, because now I'm thinking about physicality, one thing that was pretty amazing was there was, like, one shift with Jamie Benn in that Stars game where he took out Brandon Saad and then Brent Seabrook, like, in the same shift. And um, most notably, what Sidney Crosby and Patrick Kane both think that he's like the most underrated player. True. Jamie Benn is the player's player to watch this season, it seems like. Something, though, that has been written about, and I think James Myrtle posted a piece today about enforcers in the NHL and how there are fewer and fewer of them. Like, especially this 
offseason, it seems like so few enforcers got signed. And of course, there were some trades like Brandon Bullock went to Calgary or whatever, but it's just not happening very much. There's less and less fighting in the league. Um, and this particular article written by Myrtle caught my attention because it had quotes from former King Kevin Westgarth. Basically, he was asked, like, do you think there is like a noticeable shift? And what do you think is going to happen? And Westgarth said, quote, it most likely will continue. These things have ebbed and flowed in cycles. They've been harping on the death of fighting. That's been 10 years going back, it seems. But this year, I'd say with some of the more noteworthy enforcers not finding jobs this year, it's finally happening. Um, he also says, I think we're all kind of a little in disbelief. Everybody was waiting for that first domino to fall. One team picks up a big guy, and then there's something akin to an arms race. It seems like that first domino never fell this year, and here we are. Which, I, I hadn't really thought about it, but I think it's, I mean, it seems pretty true. Like, there are less fighters on teams, and even the Maple Leafs um, dropped Colton Orr and Fraser McLaren off of their fourth line. So, I don't know. It's kind of fascinating to see, like, the move away from fighters for teams. But John Scott is still employed. Yeah, except for the Sharks, who were like, give it to us. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Well, I, I, that's, you know, what it would be, like, in terms of talking about, like, the first domino to fall, you know, a, a big team getting a uh, an enforcer and being like, well, I have to play them a, a bunch. You know, we better get one, too. But I like how... Um, the Sharks got John Scott and then nothing else happened. Right, yeah, it didn't start like... No, everyone was like, yeah, that's silly. It didn't start like the wave that he that Westgarth mentioned of like other guys being like, oh, we need fourth liners too. It was everybody being like, what are the San Jose Sharks doing? They don't need that guy. Um, which which is awesome, I think, because I, I feel anyway that so many fights seem so staged. Like even that one in the Kings game between Clifford and whoever it was, I was like, what is My the brand. point? <laughs> Why yeah. are you guys oh, fighting? Yeah. So it was like uh, seconds into, or I guess minutes, whatever, into the first period, and just like, all right, really, this already? <laughs> yeah, like there's no real tension here, and so it feels a lot of them feel so unnecessary. Like I'm, we've talked about like how there are certain players that we want to see fight, but I think it comes from a place of like I want to see when players like it's it's interesting when players are genuinely sort of heated the moment kind of thing. As long as it doesn't get out of control. Like, there was a fight in the Rangers Blues opener between Matt Zuccarello and TJ Oshie. Like, two guys who don't fight because they had just kind of gotten into it with each other and decided to go. Like, that's one thing. If it seems a little more genuine, it's like, oh, that's interesting. But if it seems just like, all right, now the guys who are designated fighters are going to fight, I'm like, I don't care. Yeah, don't care at all. Like, I like it when it, it's like a slow build up throughout the game. And, you know, uh, a couple of shoves in the boards or like in front of the goalie or something like that chirps at the face-off circle um and then eventually you know thrown down that's cool i like that yeah but fighting just to fight is silly i think the second part of that too though is it means guys who have been known as enforcers and that's how they got into the nhl they're having to figure out ways to up their game and so like another thing that westgarth said was that because of this shift that's being felt, he actually feels like he has made the most progress in other areas of his game. But because he's known as an enforcer, like he still, you know, doesn't really have a role now. Um, and another quote he said was, it's kind of unfortunate to be pigeonholed just as a heavyweight enforcer, but it's hard to look down at that role at the same time because that's what allowed us to get to this level in the first place. Uh, which I think is, right. you're seeing that's kind of like interesting push-pull with somebody like, not that this is a great example because he's been a total douchebag on Twitter, but like with Chris Bark and like the things that have been happening the last few days with him where he's like gone to the extreme to try to justify the role <laughs> of the enforcer. 
uh, yeah, to offensive levels, um, as people do on Twitter. Just um, a mess. I feel like you find you find everyone's not I don't know true colors, but like they're just dark side through Twitter. You're like, man, did not know that this was brewing inside them. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I think people forget too quick on Twitter that like not having a filter and having that direct connection to like from themselves to fans or whatever could sometimes work against them. <laughs> yeah. Don't get carried away too fast. Um, but Chris Park definitely did. Uh, and like the, I, I don't know, most of his tweets were kind of just like ridiculous. Like who is praising the Calgary Flames fourth line? Chris Park is. That's just silly. But the one that was alarming to a lot of people was where he said that that same line should just target superstar players on different teams, which is supposed to be, I thought there was a such thing as a code, a code among fighters. Could it be that it doesn't really exist? I mean, it doesn't ex- exist to him. Yeah. Um, I don't think we're going to have people taking cheap shots at, you know, all the superstars, but uh, apparently to him, you know, everyone's fair game. Yeah. He's like, you know what? Go ahead. Take a shot at, I don't know, Jonathan Davis or somebody. Um, but there's totally a code. Everyone knows that. Oh, yeah. I mean. Except for him. <laughs> it's it's so stupid. Um, and then you have the thing where, like, some guys get carried away. Like, another one, another thing that's going around right now, Trevor Gillies, who used to play for a couple different teams, including the Islanders, is now in the AHL. And in a game recently, there was a fight that broke out, and then Gillies sort of started another fight for no reason. Started punching the other dude before the dude had, like, dropped his stick, even. Like, it wasn't actually really on. He also had abandoned the code, the so-called code. And then the dude falls, the opponent that he had chosen, and instead of stopping, he, like, slams the guy's head onto the ice. Somehow this player wasn't hurt, but it was also, like, on the one hand, you're trying to justify the role of enforcers, but then you also have guys like that who you're like, no, maybe that guy should just be out of the game. Like, for good. (laughs) That's just unnecessary. (laughs) Yeah. You've gone way, way too far. That's crazy. The side note. That's crazy. I didn't see that. Oh, now I have to watch it. I yeah. I'll I'll link you to the video. It's I I watched it this morning and it's it's ridiculous. Like even just hearing it, you're like, what? That's crazy. But then you see it and you're like, yep, that's exactly what he did. (laughs) Total asshole. (laughs) And but again, he's also to note like he's in the AHL. You know, like he's not a player that people want in the NHL because they don't. He doesn't offer anything else for teams that are trying to add more skill. Um, the number of fights from that same article from Myrtle, that the number of fights he wrote has gone down, has dropped almost 40% in the last five seasons, which is kind of insane and like pretty fast, a fast decline. It's a good, good decline in my book. Yeah. yeah. Like I don't want to, I don't want to ban fighting. Like I see why, you know, you would want to just let loose, but I'm cool with it sort of petering out. Yeah, like, if it's happening, you know, gradually and naturally, like, whatever, I'm, I would rather watch guys who are skilled play (laughs) rather than fighters who have no skills. Like, if there are are guys who come in and they can fight and they have some skill, great. Keep your spot. But if you have no skill, get out. I don't care about you. (laughs) You're just wasting time. (laughs) I need a fourth line that can really play some minutes. Thanks. Pretty much. That also then, like, made me think of... Well, a couple things. So then I also like saw this piece about the Minnesota Wild because they had that crazy game against the um, Avalanche where they just slaughtered them in their opener. And so in some of the writing about that, after there was this one piece from there was this one piece from IntelligentHockey.com called um, "How Minnesota's Changing the Lineup Paradigm." 
I'm going to read you this paragraph and then say some other stuff about it. It goes, Minnesota represents an important paradigm because in the in their current lineup, the grinder and stay-at-home defensemen are gone, and this is slowly happening around the league. Often the replacements are skilled players on entry-level contracts. Squeezing value out of players on the cheap is a necessity for serious cup teams, and the Kings and the Blackhawks have been two of the best at extracting maximum output from young players who are still honoring the finer points of the NHL game. And the other thing that this article mentioned was that Minnesota, because they don't have like a Nathan McKinnon type and they don't have Jerome McGinley spread out their lineup that night in a way where they had Vanek um, on Miko Koivu's wing. And then on the other side, they put Matt Cook, who is a, more of a depth guy. But they put him up there to sort of spread out some of the offense. They put like Granlin on the fourth line, I think. And you have Parise like on the second line to sort of basically like talking about how it's imperative to roll four lines. Like it's the four As line game now. fourth liner Mike Richards knows. Right. Yeah, yeah. But that's like my thing, right? Is like they talk about how like, oh, you know, stuff is disappearing and things are changing. And look how Minnesota's changing. And it's like, actually, it's kind of, I mean, the Kings are a pretty prime example of a team that did that a lot throughout last season and some of it people were like you know it's because of their scoring slumps that they go through but some of it I think is like by the time they got to the postseason it was like totally to their benefit you know because they knew all the places that they could place guys to sort of spread things out if they needed to everyone's just trying to be like the kings it's true but I mean like when you have like a Dustin Brown and Justin Williams and you can just interchange them like that's awesome how useful everyone can center Tyler Toffoli and Tanner Pearson and goals will happen yeah Yeah, I mean, I don't know if this is your impression too, but I kind of get like the sense that people, because the Kings are a physical team, I think they sort of think of them as not goonish, but like, that's like, I don't know, that it's the the grinding part is the biggest part of their game when that isn't really. Yeah, well, I'm I'm sure I think that people uh, assume that the Kings are just like more physical and aggressive, Mm -hmm. you know? Um not I don't want to say less skilled, but you know that's not what you would immediately jump to. They say that thing that I'm always like, what is exactly does that mean? Where they're like, they play heavy hockey. <laughs> is it because they're all tall and they weigh a lot? What does that mean? Yeah, <laughs> are you calling me fat? I don't understand. Yeah. What's going on here? What are you really trying to say? But I think there's a lot of there's clearly a lot of strategy in their systems and whatnot. And like going back to the enforcers thing, like. Los Angeles was one of the most penalized teams for much of last season, and they were fourth. They had the fourth highest number of minor penalties, but when it came to fighting majors, they were in the bottom 10. Like, they were tied with Pittsburgh and Minnesota for seventh fewest fighting majors with 27. Um, The Maple Leafs had the most with 47. That's a lot. So... I think people kind of overestimate or just kind of miscategorize what it means for a Kings team to be physical. Um, there was that great... Did you read that unique team traits thing from Justin Bourne? I did. I did. I really liked that. Yeah. So, like, that was... Or had one good example about how they use their forechecking in a really physical way to contribute to their game and, like, execute and whatnot. And I think that's really what it is. It's like they are a checking team... Obviously, they're a defensive team, but I don't. They're not just a team that goes around like fighting or whatever, and they're not even a team that seems to really, at this point, believe in as much as like that you need to have goons or whatever on the fourth line. Like guys like Jordan Nolan and Kyle Clifford can fight, but as we've talked about, like Kyle Clifford is really fast. That's a whole other valuable part to his game. Um, yeah, I think it's just uh, 
the fighting kind of gets lumped in with the fact that the kings love to be physical and check. And, like, you know, they finish all their checks. They got... They're heavy hitters. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to use that term. Um, and it gets lumped into the idea that kings are, like, fighters, but they're not. No. And I think the average of fights, like, per game is at point four, and the kings average fights per game last season was 0.33 so they're below below the average there they fight even less than the league has fights on average and i think that's kind of that's maybe something that will surprise people um and i remember like that game where one of the games that they played against the canucks where the canucks were trying to fight all the time and they were upset because dustin brown would not fight and then he finally did i think late in the second period or something or maybe early in the third and afterwards like one of the players, I forget which one, it might have been like Kevin Bieksa because he's the kind of guy who has a quote like this, where he was like, <laughs> you know, I'm glad that he stepped up and actually fought. And it was kind of one of those moments where it was like, yeah, because that's not a thing that Kings players actually do that much. I just think that's silly. But that's like, oh, to s- that's how you defend your team. Yeah. Or like, that's what you're supposed to do is fight. When it's like, hey, let me just be more skilled and score goals instead of this dumb, like, charade. Especially at this point. Sure, you could be like, oh, this fighter is going to protect our other guys, but they're not even on the ice at the same time. Nobody is scared of John Scott on the fourth line when someone like Kopitar, and especially like someone like Marion Gabrick, can completely outskate this person. John Scott, what is the point of you? Well, to protect Tomas Hurdle, except for he was scratched in that first game, so he didn't even play. Wait, I thought he did play. Hurdle played. Scott, John Scott did play. Oh, I was like, um, I know that Hurdle played because we kept laughing about how we don't want bad things to happen to Tomas Hurdle. We really, really like him, but we think it would be amusing if he was constantly rattled by the Kings. Like, not injured, but, you know, there's, like, a big hit on him or something (laughs) like that. Just, like, every time. Just to irritate Sharks fans. Yeah. Because wouldn't that be funny? I think it'd be funny. I would like it. I'm actually like, I hope he does stay healthy this season because I'm very interested to see what he can do with a full 82 games because people were so excited about him last season. But also because it is now hopefully a full season of Tyler Toffoli and maybe I can finally have that like scoring race that I've wanted. I'm so excited for Tyler Toffoli. Yeah. You know what's something I thought about again today? Speaking of not Toffoli, but like those younger players because I think we mentioned it on the earlier podcast but Tanner Pearson has played last season he played 25 games which means technically technically Tanner Pearson is still a rookie and already such an important player in a lot of people's minds and of course a cup winner how amazing that's awesome how so happy for him amazing another thing that we liked to joke about after that ridiculous game that was the opener was Martin Jones coming in for the third period and because Jonathan Quick had let in four goals <laughs> on 27 shots or something. Yep. Martin Jones, still perfect. Martin perfect. Jones didn't perfect. allow a goal in the postseason. No goals the other night. Martin Jones, so flawless. That Beyonce song, his theme song. Um, except for the fact that there was a distinct lack of uh, falconry. Oh, true. Um, <laughs> there were no owls. And I was very disappointed. I would really love it. Like, you know, because in baseball, they have like the walk-up songs and whatnot. I really love it if they could find a way in hockey to have that kind of thing, at least for goaltenders, because they also get like the cool masks and whatnot. So Bart Jones should come out like with some sort of bird on his arm that flies a cool song about how he's perfect. (laughs) 
<laughs> after um, he makes like a great save and it goes to uh, you know like the whistle blows and I just want Dieter to play the Harry Potter theme song because he's done it before mm-hmm. and for me to just think of swooping owls. <laughs> yeah, that the Harry would be Potter great. theme song goes. He the bird thing could also still work if they want to continue with like the Indiana Jones theme that they played a number of times last season. There could be a cool vibe there. We have so many plans for. A backup goalie. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I guess we'll just have to work on our, like, our, like, theme music for all of the players. But Martin Jones is <laughs> the easiest one right now. But um, I also feel like that note probably means <laughs> we've run out of actual topics to talk about with the Kings. So yeah. <laughs> we might as well wrap now, it up. Now you're uh, getting invited into, like, this is how we talk at, like, midnight when we're delirious and just still <laughs> talking about the Kings. Yeah, true. <laughs> anyway, so we'll we'll wrap it up. Uh, as mentioned on the last podcast, we are on SoundCloud now. So if you want to stream it there or use their app, you can, if that's a thing you do. We're still on iTunes. We're still on Stitcher. Thanks for listening. We're also, you can always find us on Twitter. We're at ThanksBud together or individually. I'm at Chanel Berlin. And I'm at AKA Diane Fan. Take care of yourselves until next week. And we'll talk to you later. And hopefully the Kings have won some stuff or at least scored some goals because I don't need a slump to start this soon. Oh, yeah. I was watching the uh, ceremony on King's Vision. I was like, oh, well, how about I just watch the goals as well? Because, you know, and then I remember. <laughs> right, yeah. Goals, what goals? So hopefully that changes at least the next time that we talk to everybody. Um, until then, be good to each other. Take care. Goodbye, friends. Bye, all.